You're listening to the Midday Grind with Martin Kilcoin and Charlie Marlowe on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. So many high fives. Uh, when you're remotely uh, recognizable, I guess, everyone wants to <laughs> high five you. So you're kind of like, it's very difficult to determine how many high fives you have to. Uh, deal out but um it was great uh it was just it was the succession in so many close calls that actually finally went through and then when it went through it was like okay we did it john ham following the game tired. he's exhausted he did it's sound exhausted night. and unlike mark Wahlberg, who left the super bowl early john well, ham was there so the kid was freaking out that's right that's right bitter end john ham in the house blues win game seven pat maroon the hometown hero, and according to the Elias Stats Bureau, mm. the first hometown kid to score a game winner in a game seven. Uh, now you're going to get the uh, no, but what about what about his from Oakville, not St. Louis? Versus, uh, you're going to get for, some of those people. They, it all counts, right? Do you count Oakville? It's part of St. Louis, right? There's Absolute, only one guy absolutely. on Twitter. I gotta find his name. His name was Dennis, and they were calling him uh, Dennis the. In Downer. fact, it's called St. Louis County. Actually, thank you. First time the hometown hero has had the Game 7 winner since 1979 when Yvonne Lambert from Quebec province scored the game winner for the Montreal Canadiens mm. against the Boston Bruins. We'll never forget where I was when that happened, 1979. So it's very rare. Pat Maroon, or Patty, as Chief prefers Patty. call him Patty. Pat Maroon scores the game winner. 550 into the double OT. We had Eddie Olchick on earlier, and he said 100%. The Blues deserve to win that game. But if you've followed this franchise for a long time, whether you're part of it or a fan, there had to be elements where you're saying, oh, no. Well, Rope Hansen had the game on his stick. Jamie Benn had the game on his stick. I mean, could you imagine if Benn would have scored off of that turnover there from Colton Pareko? I mean, you would have felt absolutely terrible for Pareko if that's what we were talking about right now. I don't know how that puck didn't go in. And as a franchise, though, if you had lost mm-hmm. after outplaying, outshooting, all of that, they've had some tough ones. It'd be a while before you could shake that thing off. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, had, they had to win that take game. Take a long time. But, you know, I, I know the Blues obviously carried the game. Dallas was badly outplayed. The shots, the differential shows that. But, you know, Bennington had to make some big saves. He made a huge saves on, on, on Foxa on the uh, early. breakaway early. Unbelievable pad save with the right pad on Klingberg. Incredible pass from Hintz. You know, so Bishop made some big saves too, but sometimes it's about quality versus quantity. And let me ask you this. As a goalie, do you think they prefer, like the Foxer thing was scary because it happened like, oh my God, all alone, in on goal, huge stop by Bennington. But I wonder sometimes if a goalie would just prefer a clean look, like them versus the player. Mm -hmm. As opposed to like bodies everywhere in front. Oh, I don't know how they see them. I don't know how they see the puck half the time. They're unbelievable. I mean, playing goaltender, being a goaltender in the National Hockey League, I can't imagine a more difficult position to play in all of sport. When you consider all the bodies around you and and how hard the puck's coming at you and just trying to track where where the play is and where the puck is, like it's a it's an art. These guys are so good. You weren't going to beat Ben Bishop clean. You know, I know Thomas. You know. 
had a nice shot there, hit the post, and then hit him in the back. But, I mean, he had a feeling it was going to be a dirty goal to win it, and that's exactly what happened. I thought the one issue I had earlier is that I didn't think they had a lot of guys going in front. You'd see a lot of times the Blues would have some action, some activity, and, and you'd look like, oh, it's pass it. Mm-hmm. Nobody in front. Did you notice that during the game there were a lot of periods where there just wasn't somebody in front? They were at the key moment, obviously. Mm-hmm. I just thought there were a lot of times, like, get in front, get in front, because they were getting a lot of shots. But yeah. I was waiting for him to I mean, get one of, of shots, those. A lot of shots on the outside. I mean, right. That's I'm waiting for something on the doorstep. You got to have the greasy goal. Got to have the greasy goal. Dallas wouldn't even shoot. I mean, they passed up chances. St. Louis actually passed up some chances to shoot early in the game as well. Blay had an opportunity to shoot. He chose to pass. Perron had a unbelievable opportunity. He made a great pass. Uh, sliding the puck over to uh, Vince Dunn, who kind of fumbled the puck, wasn't able to get a shot off. But, you know, you will you look at that play, you say, wow, you wish Perron would have shot the puck there just because it is a game seven. Anytime you have an opportunity to get the puck on net, you do it, which is why I just don't understand for Dallas. We mentioned the four shots on goal in the last two periods of play. With all the talent they have on their roster, why they weren't able to generate more offense in a game seven, it really is inexplicable. I can't understand that at all. And I know Jim Montgomery's got to be just completely beside himself. His wife, by the way, was at a establishment filled with Blues fans after the game with a few other Dallas Stars fans. I'm wondering if that was the best idea to be there if you're looking to get in a good mood. If you're in a bad mood, you're feeling sour about the result of the game, I'm not so sure you want to be at a bar in St. Louis. But she is a, game. For those who don't know, she She's is a St. Louis, St. Louis girl, native, yes. yes. Married to Jim Montgomery. Mm-hmm. For Dallas... Who's that? For Dal, uh, the head coach of the uh, who's that? Oh, you're like Jordan uh, Bennington. Bennington. Oh, I want to ask him. Maybe when the whole season's over, we'll ask him. Did you really not know knew who that was? That's just sort of his. He might not have. It's a little bit of shtick. Yes, he admitted to me earlier in the year that it is his shtick. He's got a wry sense of humor. Correct. I tried to poke him a little bit with. I said to to be honest, to clarify, never at any point during this whole night were you nervous. He said, nope. You know, Jordan Bennington once made 50 saves in a playoff game in the American Hockey League. I know. Were they? <laughs> ah. Did you know that? Where they lost no, in overtime, and then the referee actually told him after the game that goal shouldn't have counted. Didn't go Really? In. Yeah. And the goal last night, how often do you see that happen? That was pretty rare, wasn't it? And if you're a tortured Blues fan, the goal mm-hmm. that Dallas got, Zuccarello, got a gift. You could even watch Bennington's looking left, leaning left, and yeah. whoops, the puck sitting to his right. Well, How often do you see that That was happen? a crazy bounce. At first, people thought Perron screwed up. Well, I would have liked to see him go up the wall as opposed to going back down low where it hit the boards and then it hit the uh, the, the referee and then it hit the side of the net and bounced out. Perfect you know, situation for uh, for Matt Zuccarello who just threw it in the open, open net. He almost missed it. I think he hit the post and in. But, um, yeah, so they had a little bit of puck luck, Dallas did. Early on as well. And so, really, Bennington, that's the only goal he gives up, mm-hmm. and he didn't even have a chance to stop it because of the circumstance. I mean, he, I mean, they right. always have a chance, but, that's but when he was you worry, looking. And I was saying this to Bernie during the game. You worry Nicholas? when. Uh, Federico. You worry that when a goaltender isn't seeing any action, when you face one shot in a period, that all of a sudden there's going to be a breakdown, he's going to face a breakaway, or he's going to face a two on one, or so some high quality scoring chance coming down his way, and he's going to have to be sharp and make a save. And you just wonder, you know, goaltenders, obviously, in a regular season situation, maybe you get a little bit sleepy. I don't think you worry about your focus 
in the environment he was in last night. Wasn't Jake Allen a guy who always said, "I want some shots. I want to like he hated every goaltender. They like a, a high yes. volume night, correct? And probably a guy like Bishop. The more you see, like you get into that groove because we see it all the time where the play is just the ice is completely tilted. It's all it's in one end of the ice for a long stretch of period, you know, period of time, and then all of a sudden back comes the other team down the other way. They got a breakaway or a two on one, like I mentioned. And that's not easy for a goaltender to be sharp like that. All right, scheduling-wise, let's clarify a little bit because Eddie Olchek referenced possible back-to-back. So, share – okay, first of all, we have a game – let's get to share in a minute. First of all, there's a game seven. First things first. I like how share is now part of our (laughs) postseason narrative. I can't Uh, believe she's still performing. How old is she? She's turning back time. What a bizarre dichotomy between Friday and Monday contracts. No, I disagree. About. We're going to have a sharing tool. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you meant Blues fans going no, to both. No, no, I meant sharing tool. So, so for those who don't Monday. know, there's a game seven in San Jose tonight. Colorado and the Sharks. The winner, obviously, will face the Blues. Yeah. If it's San Jose winning tonight, and they'd be favored, I would think, they're on their home ice. The Blues series, Western Conference final, could begin as early as Friday in San Jose. If Colorado wins, Friday not available in St. Louis because of share, so you could start on Saturday here. There's a concert Monday tool, which we've discovered. The, on the early show. word is if Colorado wins, and this is as of yesterday, actually the day before yesterday, things can certainly change. But the early word is there would be a back to back Saturday and Sunday at the Enterprise Center if Colorado wins. Wow. That was the talk the last couple of days. Obviously, that's unconfirmed, and who knows where it's going to be. You know, and Colorado may not like this. that. We've been through this a lot. I, I really don't like playing the speculation game of when the games are going to be because national television dictates it. The league obviously dictates it. And at the end of the day, we really just have no idea. Right. But if it's Colorado, you'd, you'd have two days off. You'd have Thursday off, Friday off. They don't like to do back-to-backs this time of year, but you would have a couple of days in between. You could do – but Friday, Monday, Enterprise Center is occupied. Mm-hmm. So that is an issue. So you could do Saturday, Tuesday, I guess, but it wouldn't be great. A great or, or the NBA, television. you could do a game on Saturday, then they play again the following Friday. <laughs> I, mean, I know. Can you imagine being a no, beat? It's right? like an NFL schedule uh, in the NBA. Golden State, Houston played on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. and the next game was on a Saturday. You imagine covering that? Do you fly home to be with your family for a few days and come back? If you're a team, seriously, if you're a team like Golden State or Houston. Do they stay you, there? Right. Wouldn't you go back for a while? Isn't Probably. that absurd? You'd have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I mean, it's absurd. I feel like right. you'd like that schedule, Martin. Go on the road a couple days. Well, I'm game, gonna, few I'm just days gonna, off you know, By the time you fly me back, it's not worth it. No, that's got Chuck Marlowe written all over it, doesn't it? <laughs> How about uh, the embrace from Patrick Maroon and Baruby after the game as well? I think Chief. whole lot of man. Is that what uh, I think Eddie, Eddie Olchick said? said that we don't think of Baruby is being like Dick Vermeil, but all of a sudden we're seeing more emotion coming out of him and grabbing Vladdy during a game and the hug with you can tell he and Maroon are pretty tight. Oh, you he's can, very tight. He's you got can an sense unreal, that. he's got an incredible relationship with Tarasenko too. All his players. I mean coaching is listen, it's not about systems, it's not about X's and O's as much as we make it out to be. It's about how you manage your players and your ability to understand and have a feel. You know, we always say hockey sense applies to players, but hockey sense applies to coaches as well. That's why he's been so successful in terms of how he's managed his roster, knowing when to bring guys in the lineup, when to take guys out of the lineup, when to slide them up the lineup, slide them down the lineup. 
I mean, there's something to be said for that. I, I've said this several times, and I'll say it again. Craig Berube. Say it again. Chief. And it's awesome when Tarasenko says chief, by the way. <laughs> he has had the biggest impact of any coach that I've been around here in St. Louis possibly ever. And I know they've had some great coaches here. I mean, Quimbo was the first coach that I covered in St. Louis. He was an incredible coach, but probably didn't have to inherit the situation that Chief did with the team not only being in last place, but what he's been able to do to bring this team together off the ice. I never thought that would be possible. And the ability to be straightforward, direct, honest, even knowing it might hurt some feelings with some of these guys and how he's slotted players with their roles and getting guys to accept their roles. I mean, this is absolute genius stuff that I never thought would be possible. You cannot overstate what this guy has done. It's been incredible, incredible to watch. Uh, Hoff from the text line. People texting in. Try it, bank. Take it to the bank text line here at 855-282-8255. Strick from the 314. Someone is curious if there are any rules in the NHL in regards to referee interference. Could that have applied last night? Hey, they're part of the game. They're part of the game. Okay. Although Just like saw, hitting it off the wall, well, whatever it happens. You, you, can't, you can't score a goal off a referee. Like we saw Timmy Peel score a goal off Luongo earlier in the year. Peels, he just wanted to get in the stat sheet. Peels, he, he just wanted to have a goal. His first goal of the year. He had a puck, actually, after the game, took a picture of it. Uh, he was the alternate referee last night, standing by the glass. Really? Down by the Zamboni. St. Louis' own. Wearing his tights. Oh, yeah, it was hilarious. Good to see Peelsy. Wearing, wearing his tights. Uh, more hockey talk tonight, 7.30 on this station. I'll be on with Charlie Tuna. Oh, oh good for you. Must listen. Chuck, Tuna, and me breaking it down. Must he listen. He always calls, and he's like, Man, so tell me, who, who is who is Ben Bishop? And I don't want to sound like I don't know who he is when I go on the air. Who is Ben Bishop? <laughs> Nobody else. And, <laughs> the sourcing that like, who's the, Strick gets a call. Who, who's the uh, who's the girl that's been doing the games on NBC? What's her name? Now, is she good or bad? Because I don't want to say she's good or bad if she's not good or bad. So I want to know if she's good or bad. Never tell Strick anything because he'll just repeat it on the air. <laughs> yet, actually, yet he can't hilarious. name the establishment he was at. But he can out the call of Charlie Tuna looking for a little background. <laughs> I just love it. Uh, sure you do. Top yes. of the hour, Fast Eddie's opens. Doors open at 1. I mentioned this yesterday. There is flooding in Alton, and unfortunately for those folks, slows everything down. But the most important thing is keep the business happening mm. in those areas that are affected by the flooding. They're nice and dry at Fast Eddie, so out driving around today. Maybe you went to the Blues game, and you really didn't work too hard today. You just kind of want to shut her down. You want to relive those great moments. Grab some buddies. Go up to Fast Eddie's. If you're downtown, you hop on Route 3. You're there in no time. Up north, you take the Clark Bridge, turn right, 4th and Broadway. That's where you'll find the legendary Bonaire lunchtime. You will fill up, and it won't cost you much money at all. The menu has been the same, and so is the pricing. They can't even remember. I asked Eddie's. It's been a long time since they chased, changed the pricing. Coldest beer anywhere. They're always serving up fun. Live music, seven days a week. Outdoor area. Huge parking lot. So if you've got a huge group, they've got room for you. You're all welcome. As long as you're 21. Stop by and see our friends at Fast Eddie's in Alton, Illinois.
of the day. Okay, when's the end of the day? At the end of the day, it's going to be tough to tell someone they might not be in it. At the end of the day, even though there's moments where you're like, oh, I, you know, I don't want to do this. I like that maestro impression that you were doing there, Martin. Pointing around, directing traffic, telling people what to do. I think I this saw... This show's an orchestra. I think years ago I saw Randy Carricker would point for like to go to like a clip or an mm-hmm. audio, and Bob Hamilton, these guys were very um, Bob animated in the background mm-hmm. at KMOX. Um, the last time, Strick looks tired. I got to say, can I interrupt? I'm sorry, Strick looks tired. I think you're going to need a nap today. <laughs> can I just put the Lori? What time did you get up this morning? I know you got back. What time did you go to bed? I went to, honestly? Yeah. About four. What there it is. Six, Seven. Seven. Six, two, two. This show should be a jolt of energy for you, though. It Did is. Hopping in this he had studio? an isogenic drink. Lori was texting Frank yesterday during the show. Yes. I heard about that. Yeah. It worked because it turned into a live read. It was very, perfect. Very passionate it about good. that isogenics. And yeah. you know what? I had an isogenic shot this morning. Didn't have the ionics. I probably should have. But I could use, they have like that all natural version of what you would call the five hour energy. It's called an e shot. This stuff is incredible. And it's all natural. You just take it. I drink it before games all the time, and you you do not get tired. If I took one right now, I would feel a hundred percent. You need to lay down. This is one of those days when the missus will just say, "Oh, Daddy worked late last night," and you're actually hungover. She sent me a text (laughs) last night between the first and second overtime that said. I will take the kids to school. Oh, uh, that was nice of her. <laughs> uh, for my research, the last time we saw back-to-back games in a conference final round, kind of recent, 2013. Uh, Blackhawks on June 1st and 2nd defeated the Los Angeles Kings. If you're looking for a good omen, the Hawks won that round. They also beat the Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup final yeah. that year. And yeah, you know, I talked to David Packers the other day final. after their clinching game. Is he going to suit up? Oh, he's yeah. been playing unbelievable Had a hockey goal. for them. He okay. scored a goal. His last three games, he's been incredible. That would be great theater if the oh, Blues played the Bruins. That would be cool. In the final. According uh, to Kavorsky, one of our texters, Country Road started the last home game versus Nashville. Now, he says that they are, they've kept playing it after that in the third if they are up. Was it overtime when they were playing it last I, I night? I thought last night it was an overtime. overtime. Yes. Which, yes. to me, is like, what if they didn't get to overtime? You didn't play it. I, oh. I feel cheated. Well, it's, I mean, it's, hey, it's a beautiful song. I absolutely love it. Is, Unless, it's a fun tradition, but I don't West get Virginia, it. I don't know how that applies to uh, no St. Louis Mark or Dallas. Mark Bolger. Any Bob Huggins used to coach in that building. <laughs> <laughs> Jed Jerko down the road. Um, Jay, guess, Jay Randolph, Jennings, Senator, Jennings there Senator. you go. From West Virginia. Uh, is this an issue for the Cardinals? This is from Keith Costas, courtesy uh, during last night's Cardinal game that no one paid attention to because they were getting killed. Mm-hmm. Um, the four Cardinals who pitched in last night's game, Dakota Hudson, Luke Gregerson, Tyler Webb, Dominic Rion, have combined to give up 51 runs in 62 and a third innings this season. Adding, of course, subjectively but true, that's not great. Do they have an issue with some of these pitchers right now? Uh, I'm I'm gonna hang in there a little longer on Hudson because okay. I was optimistic that he was turning the the corner. Mm. Leon and Gregerson, I it's probably not fair to Leon because he was good for a while, but I kind of have those two in a similar camp right now in my head. Yeah, that I'm not sure if they're gonna make it all year. I just don't know. I'm a little concerned about both Tyler Webb. You probably trusted more than Cecil. It was an eleven to one game, but that was when Hudson came out. What was it, six or eight nothing when he came out? And they trusted Webb, Leon, and Gregerson, if you know what I'm saying. And this is, hey guys, this would be a good one for you. 
Well, we're losing eight to nothing. Yeah, this would be a good one for you. And then when Yachty left the game early, I was convinced. Did he, he go was, to the Enterprise? I, I don't think he did. <laughs> no, but Yachty I was convinced Molina he might. Texted Colton Pareko after the game to say great job, and he was texting. Buzz. Yeah, yeah, texting um, a number of Blues players. I mean, this guy is so into it. His son, who I believe is ten. Uh, you guys can confirm that down at the ballpark. I don't maybe. know Molina's uh, kids. He's like playing hockey now, like learn to play. That's awesome. Him and yes. Wainwright were watching it together, according to Twitter. Adam I think Wayne they were Knight in the clubhouse. Tweeting out saying, Probably. Yachty and I are watching. You can win now. That was at 1030 after the 11 About 30 loss. minutes later, they did win. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, those guys know. I you love it, man. 162 games. Yachty's my guy, and now that he's on the staff especially, I mean, just the fact that he is as into it and it's genuine. It's not like he's just saying he's a fan of the Blues. I mean, he's really into it. His whole family is. I give the Blues a lot of credit for embracing these guys, too, to make them kind of a part of it. Rumor has it Brian Bartow, the Cardinals PR guy, yes. was called by a Blues executive on Monday and said, hey, if, if you guys happen to get rained out Tuesday, there's a lot of rain in the... Do you think I'm going to get a last-minute call saying I need a box? Because we're trying to plan ahead here. Mm. And the Cardinals said, no, even if there's rain, we'll stick it out for a long time because mm-hmm. this is the Phillies' only visit this year. So there was some concern that those Cardinals might show up on a rain out. Yep. He also added, uh, Wainwright did, there's another 50 in town with uh, Jordan Bennington. Finally, I think we discussed this the other day, the Deadspin article saying uh, Bennington finally looks nervous in this postseason. That was after game four. Yeah, I really didn't like I believe. that either. I, well, I didn't see the article, but I didn't like Stupid. the reaction that a lot of people were saying that he lost his cool. Yeah. This is hockey. This is not out of character for him if you followed his path He's got as some a edge. player. And just like John Bennington told me last night, some goalies flop. Jordan attacks. And uh, he attacks. since then, he stopped 76 of 80 yeah, shots. That, that, was the, that was a yes. terrible narrative. He's nervous. Ter- and they were like, well, David Perron lost his call. David Perron didn't even get penalized. <laughs> so, I mean, he was doing it on purpose. He, he, knew, he didn't get penalized. I mean, it's a playoff series. I mean, of all the playoff hockey we've seen over the years, I mean, how tame is this now compared to what we probably grew up watching? Hey, they that's to, the end of the day. They used to have, like, chainsaws out there, and they're slashing. Oh, my God. <laughs> if, I were an, if I were an announcer last night, this is why I wouldn't be at the network level. I'd say, all right, the Dallas Stars have lost in double overtime. You know what? Now you can flop. We're, I'm, sure <laughs> wow. you're, I'm sure you're tired. It's been a long night. Flop all the way home. Now, now you can drop to the ice yeah. because the series is over. Also, one of the nice bit of total coincidence, the uh, this year's Stars-Blues series followed, in exact win-loss order, the Rangers-Cardinals World Series in 2011. Mm. St. Louis, Dallas, St. Louis, Dallas, Dallas, St. Louis, St. Louis. And both ended with a St. Louis in... Yes. Playing a key role. How about that? Uh, Cardinals, speaking of. Cardinals.com slash promotion. Some great promotional giveaways this weekend against the Pittsburgh Pirates, including the Yadier Molina... Roberto Clemente, dual bobblehead. Got to go to cardinals.com slash promotions for this weekend. I think I heard in the brief amount that I did watch before the Blues game started, Danny Mack and all of them were discussing um, kind of just how many, how few tickets remain for this weekend, especially with Mother's Day on the horizon. So go to cardinals.com slash promotions today and buy stuff. All right, LGB, that was exciting. Strick, get some rest. Yes. Sometime in the next eight years, we got a big parade down market. You going to watch the, next the game tonight? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Game seven at the tank. Who wins? I would pick the Sharks. Yeah. And I have to say, I would prefer Colorado. It'd be fun mm-hmm. with the Cronky angle, better travel, be but great also. To have home eyes. 
And San Jose, Frank and I were talking about California, every city's great and cool. San Jose's pretty boring. Not that that matters. It's yeah. all about the hockey. I get yeah. it. Yeah. No, you're, uh, I think you're not San, wrong about that. I think San Jose will win. But I think you can get to Martin Jones. I think Biddington could outplay Martin Jones in a series Martin 100%. Martin Jones had a terrible year. He's played better hockey in the playoffs, but he is not a uh, a guy that you can walk into a series concerned about. More talk about a game seven for the ages. The hard line is next on 590 The Fan. Congratulations.